0: rain maker everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to Worldwide. My name is Blair Brachico. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, Before we kick into this week's episode, I just wanted to make mention, I'm sure that all the listeners have heard, but uh, in less than a week and a half, AW Dynamite is going to be here in Winnipeg. But the day before, I think it is March 14th, if I'm not mistaken, the Tuesday before Dynamite, at First Row Collectibles and CS Collectibles, both Ethan Page and Dan Housen are going to be doing autographs there. So if you need any information, definitely check out the First Row social media. Go check out Curtis down at First Row. He'll set you up right. And uh, it'll be it's going to be a great time for wrestling in Winnipeg. So uh, definitely check it out. But this week on the podcast with aew revolution right around the corner we're two days away three days away it's this weekend this weekend march 5th joining me to run down the card it's the voice of new justin morissette justin how are you doing my friend
1: i'm doing wonderful blair thank you so much for having me it's great to be here the last time you and i spoke we were previewing Forbidden Door and kind of outlining uh, our dreams for that card and kind of what we thought uh, different titles could come to be within AEW. And I don't want to spoil too much about the conversation we're going to have here, but as I was looking over my notes in terms of, you know, where it seems things are headed with the TNT title, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, Definitely seems like maybe, I don't know, Tony Khan was listening to the podcast that <laughs> you and I put out like eight months ago now or however long ago that was. So, yeah, I know I know that the build for this one has been a little bit, uh, I mean, uh, not just a little bit, probably heavily criticized. The most heavily because... criticized cycle of television I think that AEW has ever uh, probably put together um, outside of the first three months of Dynamite, like before Tony really took the reins and was uh, running the whole show himself, but I'm I'm still excited for this show, I think, and um, yeah, it's it's great to be here to, to talk about it.
0: Well, I'm glad you could join me. I mean, you mentioned the build, and this is, to me, it's very reminiscent of the build to All Out, where, you know, it seemed like a lot of stuff was just pieced together, and uh, you were almost left, like, wanting more from it. You know, I don't know if it's more substance, more of a build, but, like... I'm going into this card, and I mean, I always enjoy the AEW pay-per-views, but this one, it's uh, my interest is, I don't want to say wavering, but it's not at the level of, say, Full Gear was, where I was just amped up, ready to go.
1: The television right now feels... A little New York-y, I guess. Oh, yes. And, and, and like, and I'm not going to go so far as to say it's sunk to such a level where I don't feel like investing the two hours every week necessarily, though I will admit I may step in it a few times here over the course of talking about the build because I missed probably a handful of Dynamites along the way. Like two or three, but mm. it, I digress regardless. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I mean is that like, WWE TV has... Uh, enormously improved over the last year i think 100%. everybody who tunes in would agree with that but there's still this issue of your top investment and sometimes your only investment is in that number one storyline right roman reigns in the bloodline and Sami zayn that's what's getting you to tune in week after week after week mm-hmm. and i feel like the last three months of dynamite are kind of similar because i am hooked on one thing and that is brian danielson versus mjf I, you know, even that hasn't been a perfect build necessarily. There have been some things in the promos here and there that I could probably do without. But like, I I would say on a week to week basis, both the in ring action of him taking on those five guys in a row to become number one contender and the battles on the microphone have had me pretty enticed. And I am a huge Brian Danielson fan. Mm -hmm. So the idea of him. Coming for that championship and saying that his dream right now, the the dream that he fights for, that will fight for him, is to become the AEW champion, that gets me fired up to keep watching on a week-to-week basis too. It's all the stuff that's below it, which clearly from a work rate perspective is better than what you're seeing on WWE TV, but I would say the level of investment in storylines that you have right now is maybe not entirely dissimilar between the products.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I mean, since you, you mentioned the AEW world championship, let's start off with that. Because I mean, that's one that I think, you know, people, you've heard a lot of comments about, you know, MGF's promos, you know, I know from some of the circles I've talked to or people I've talked to in these circles, you know, like a lot of these promos, you know, it's, you could cut them in half, you know, he's going a little bit too long kind of rambling on and it's not the same, same quality you were getting before his title reign but I will say that along this pathway we've gotten. I mean, we've been privy to some fantastic Brian Danielson matches. I mean, his match with Bandito, his match with Roosh, and I mean, even the Brian Cage match. That was one of Cage's better matches in AEW. I felt so. We did get that, and the promo to wrap up this past week's Dynamite by Brian Danielson. That was fantastic. That is exactly what I wanted to hear from him heading into this 60 minute Iron Man match
1: well it's almost like this whole feud has been designed to challenge each guy to step up to the other's strength basically right mm-hmm. like we all know that brian danielson is an incredible wrestler probably the best wrestler in the world right now and maybe one of the greatest of all time uh like my personal opinion but i think a lot of people would agree with that right like mm-hmm. We know that. We know that when they promised him five matches in five weeks to win the number one contendership, that that was five weeks of TV, that you were going to tune in and get just a banger of a match every single time, whether he was working against, like, Takeshita or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you said, the the, the, the match against... Um, uh, you you literally just Brian mentioned. Cage, Brian Cage. Yes, <laughs> I was cycling through the big men in my mind. I was like, no, not that one, not that one, not that one. Uh, Brian Cage. That was a very entertaining Brian Cage match. Which how many of those have we seen in AEW? Really, right? Like mm-hmm. the thing about Danielson always, even going back to WWE, was like, is this guy uh able to perform on the mic? At a level that is expected of the top guy in WWE, basically. Yeah. And when he was being pushed as uh, you know, the 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 yes movement and all that, I don't know that necessarily that would have been true at the time. He was obviously good enough and was really just being himself as a babyface, which is really what people took to. They love the real guy of this mm-hmm. guy, I think, more than anything. And speaking as a fan personally myself, anyways. Um he he definitely developed the promo ability quite a lot during his retirement when he was doing Talking Smack every week when he was the GM. Like that level of his game certainly improved an enormous amount. But I don't know that anybody would have expected him to be able to cut the kind of promo that he cut to close out the show this past week, which was not just excellent and super engaging and sells the match and makes me want to tune in and does all the things that a good promo is supposed to do. But it seemed like he just had an open invitation there to like, you have until show goes off the air to say as much as you want. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like that was necessarily a scripted promo, but it had the perfect arc of like getting the most drama at the biggest time right before you close out the show. Like, So we've seen now, we already know from the go home dynamite that yes, Brian Danielson can be just as compelling as a promo uh, of a promo as MJF. The question now is can MJF be just as compelling of a wrestler for 60 full minutes as Brian Danielson is? And the answer is probably not, but can he be in the ballpark is what we're really talking here. And we're going to find out, and I think the answer is going to be yes. I think this will – I know we say this every year. I know this happens all the time. The conversation with MJF is always the people saying that he's not that great in the ring, and then the people very loudly also saying, we need to stop saying that. But, like, Mm -hmm. it will be put to bed forever if he has a banger of a match. And you give Bryan Danielson 60 minutes. How many times have we seen it even on Dynamite already Mm -hmm. over the course of the last year and a bit? You give that guy 60 minutes on TV, he is going to give you something great. I cannot wait for this match. Uh, It's the number one reason that I'm tuning in to watch the show, and I think that is probably true of everybody. And why not? It's the world title match, and it's two guys who ultimately – like at the heart of these promos, I know they've dressed it up with all kinds of personal digs and so on, et cetera, but it's two guys who believe that they are truly the best wrestler in the world and they are fighting for the prize to determine that. It's so simple and it's super compelling. And yes, they have my money. Absolutely.
0: Well, I, I should mention, I mean, this past weekend on the Love Wrestling Brunch gimmick, um, I mentioned that I was very wish-washy about this card. And one of the things was a 60 minute Ironman match on what could be a five-hour pay-per-view. And that's, I know it's going to be a great match, but the thought of that is almost exhausting to me. But going into this pay-per-view, I mean, only eight matches have been announced for the pay-per-view. So it slots in very nicely. And I mean, with that kind of build-up to it, where you know you're not going to have, you know, 12 matches before and then an hour match, I mean, that changes the dynamic for me altogether. I mean, knowing I can still get a good night's sleep, which is ridiculous to think about, but at my age... I get tired
1: knowing oh, yeah. that I and, can and,
0: still get that sleep and enjoy a match. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm into this.
1: There were AEW pay W pay-per-views last year that had what, like 16 match cards.
0: Yeah. With the pre-show, it went almost 16 matches.
1: I'm pretty sure that was uh, uh, maybe all out last year or possibly the one before there were definitely 16 match pay-per-views last year. And it's, it is too much. I realize that WWE pay-per-views can go just as long as that, that some of them are six, seven hours, we complain about it when WWE does it. And those are the big shows of the year. I feel mm-hmm. like AEW is doing it too often. You know, like how many WWE pay per views really cross that time threshold? It's probably just WrestleMania and SummerSlam, and that's it.
0: Yeah, 100%. So,
1: and, and, you know, we don't need that, especially here where you have, uh, like we said in a match that's going to take up an hour but I feel like they've booked themselves well and in fact used the TV to do the kinds of matches that you would typically see on a pay-per-view right like big bill versus orange cassidy for the all atlantic championship on dynamite this week fantastic match mm-hmm. just outstanding i i love me some orange cassidy and you know what i actually do really like me some big bill as well i'm oh, happy I miss- to see that guy enjoying some success right now after everything that he's gone through over the last however many years. I'm into and, Big and Bill in AW. Mm-hmm. If, if you saw that on a pay-per-view, if that was a pay-per-view opener, you'd be like, oh boy, we're cooking now. <laughs> a, a hot start to the show. And we got that on free TV this week, mm-hmm. which is good. That's what you should be using your TV for. Yes. When you have booked yourself in a position and when you have a significant roster size, like they do, uh, like make as much time for people as possible. Maybe I didn't need to see Peter Avalon on Dynamite this week necessarily. Um, But like, yeah, and I think there's going to be more of that probably uh, on on Rampage this week as well. Though, as a Canadian who uh, has cable, I'm I've never actually seen an episode of Rampage <laughs> in my life. <laughs>
0: the uh, the great thing, you know, having to use the TSN Go app that only works half of the time. Well, if they, they have
1: five so. channels, there's oh. TSN one through five, folks. How do we have no room? for rampage on the friday television it baffles the mind like it's been how long now that, that rampage has existed almost two years i bet maybe longer right like it's gonna be two TSN years get this it summer together. get it together tsn so,
0: until we get tsn 8 the ocho we're gonna be stuck using the app
1: so
0: <laughs> um now i mean let's we'll keep going with the rest of the card here and you mentioned uh peter avalon facing off with Chris Jericho Jericho Chris Jericho is going to be facing off with uh, Ricky Starks singles match the Jericho appreciation society banned from ringside and the build for this one has seemed a little I want to say off you know with Starks winning or getting the pin that first match and then almost retracing the steps backwards
1: Um, yeah a little bit I also feel like though it would be tough to still be into this three months in or as long as it's gone, if he just was getting beat down every single week. Right. And I realized that they also got the win in the, uh, the tag match. Didn't they, I believe, or did, uh, was that Jericho and Sammy taking that one?
0: I can't remember only because my rampage watching is maybe 50% of the time. And that's if there's a match I have to see.
1: I definitely remember seeing action Andretti celebrating, but also that could have just been from them, like winning the, uh, the physical exchange after the pinfall. So my memory may be deceiving me right now, regardless. Uh, but like, yeah, you're right. Because what is this really offering us other than what we saw to begin with in this feud, but without the ensuing beatdown afterwards, right? Like mm-hmm. I, the, the my first thought when I heard the stipulation, because I I believe it's just the Jericho Appreciation Society's ban from ringside, right? Yes. For a, for a second there, they were advertising the matches. Everyone is banned from ringside. But if it's just JAS, then I do believe we may see Action Andretti joining the Jericho <laughs> Free <games laughs> this weekend. Oh, like that, that feels like the most natural place to go with that stipulation. But I don't know if that's just like my, my WWE brain perhaps kicking in because that seems like what they would do probably. Oh, 100%. Um, but, but what I will say about this feud, so often... Chris Jericho is able to identify a rising star within AEW who's got a lot of fan momentum behind them and kind of pull that Triple H move of like inserting himself somewhere where he doesn't belong to leech off the crowd love of somebody. And ultimately, for example, his feud a couple of years ago with Orange Cassidy, what that winds up doing is not so much polish up his opponent. Uh, you know, the way that you would want to in a feud with a veteran like that so much as it kind of actually saps what they had going a little bit away from them. And I think Ricky Starks, if anything, is just as hot as he was to enter this feud, if not even more popular than he would have been a couple months ago. Like this is a guy that all through that tag run, all through the heel run, I think people have wanted to see get a genuine singles push. It's finally happening right now is he going to lose this match? I hope not. But, um, you know, if he does, it will be because of shenanigans because they know what what they've got in this dude. And, uh, I think as we're going to discuss a little bit later in the TNT title match, there's really two separate divisions opening up within the hierarchy of, uh, the non top titles in the same way that there's two separate divisions basically between the trios and the tag titles as well. Um, and I think I think you're probably going to be seeing Ricky Starks as an All-Atlantic champion before too long here, probably. Like, it, it seems like a natural time to give him some love. Maybe they hold off a little bit longer and and maybe push him into the top title bracket. Maybe he gets a, 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 at least... You know when they build up to, like, a special episode of Dynamite that feels like a mini-on-TV pay-per-view? You could at least do, like, a six-week... Ricky Starks versus MJF program if it is indeed MJF who is still your champion after this weekend.
0: Yeah, like I mean after this, I need more Ricky Starks and like a prominent feud. Not that the Jericho one isn't prominent, but like you said he Jericho can, can kind of put himself in those spots where he does get some of the shine from others, you know. I'm going to mm-hmm. need Ricky Starks to get past this, get a win, and go on. Get more, more firmly planted into that upper mid card right below main event level that we all know that he can be a part of, you know, like, so whether it's the all Atlantic, the TNT, which is kind of out of the question right now is where they're going. But I mean, Ricky Starks is your all Atlantic champion. I mean, like sign be up for that, like get some gold on this guy.
1: But they, I feel like they do know what they have to in a possible Ricky Starks, MJF feud, right? Like we yes. have seen them have confrontations, they are money on the mic together. It's been good when we get the brief tastes. Give me a full six weeks of that at least. It would be just magnificent television. Again, like you, you want those hooks at the top of the card. You obviously want to be hooked on everything that's going on in the show. But I feel like that is something that I would be very invested in tuning in to see if that is the direction they chose to go.
0: We we talked about the TNT Championship a little bit, and I mean we're getting. Wardlow coming back, facing off with champion Samoa Joe, and I, I'm honestly surprised that they're running this back on pay per view again. I mean, after the first match, the tree, the triple threat match. I mean, I fully expected Hobbs coming out of there with some gold, but after this past Dynamite's uh ladder match, you know, face the Re- Revolution ladder match, him getting that next title shot. I mean, Wardlow to me is almost like an afterthought because I just want to see Hobbs with gold around his waist.
1: Yeah, and this is what I was alluding to earlier when we first started talking, because when you and I previewed Forbidden Door last year, we were talking about the TNT title and uh, what we were wanting to see from Wardlow going forward when he was kind of beginning that uh, singles push, really, and it was wanting to see the TNT title become this division of hosses because there are certainly enough big bruisers within the aew roster to just let guys like that have their own belt that they can war over on a week to week and you know especially this one where it's the tv title so you are seeing a lot of those matches on tv uh uh, i I have no idea who comes out of this one it is very weird though because what when was forbidden door june of last year or may yeah, June. So we're like eight months removed from that, I believe. Uh and the, and that's still Wardlow is still in the same place that he was there when we were talking, you know, the better part of a year ago. Um, so it's kind it, yeah, what's gone on with him is it, is a bit strange, honestly.
0: It's been a rough run for him. He he really didn't get to uh I think where a lot of people thought he was gonna be.
1: And, and I don't uh, think that's his own fault, cause like not at all. Everything that I liked about him then, I still like about him. <laughs> like, I I want to see, uh, you know, a, a good Wardlow run. And could that happen if he beats Joe this weekend and then has a banger of a match against Hobbs next week? I mean, if it's going to be Hobbs who takes the championship here, ultimately, then it should be Joe who retains this yes. weekend. Um, And I think I would rather see Hobbs get a push out of all three of those guys right now because he at least feels the hottest and I don't know what you have to do to get Wardlow back to where he was obviously he was coming out uh, as like one of the stars of the biggest angle on the whole show on a week to week basis it's hard to be there again but I mean I don't know if they've reheated people before right wouldn't be the first time and and maybe it is time for, for powerhouse Hobbs to really uh, show his stuff as a singles guy
0: Wardlow really suffered from having to deal with the uh smart Mark feud right after, you know, all the security guard stuff. I mean, I really feel like that kind of puts a bit of a put of a I don't wanna say downer, but more of a damper on just what uh what we were expecting from him
1: mhm for sure and um... I,
0: I I will say uh, I'm gonna make a prediction right now that at Forbidden Door two, we will see Hobbs defending his TNT Championship against She-E. I would just like to say that right
1: now. All right, yeah, there we go. There's a big so. friggin' host, the <laughs> big meaty men slapping man meat battle. Let's friggin' go! Oh, yeah, I'm all about that. Uh, uh, no, I think I think you're right, and and that is, you know, of the three guys, like Joe, I feel like is going to be a bigger part of Ring of Honor than anything else lately. Uh, going forward and mm-hmm. it it does feel like we are heading now that ring of honor has its own television um like it feels more like there will be a clean divide between the two yes which is probably needed on, on some level to uh, get more key guys on actual aw television on a week to week basis but mm-hmm. um you know i like he's he's not the long term champ here and you cannot put it on Wardlow only to have him lose it three days later. Not so. at all.
0: That will do Wardlow no favors, but. Exactly. Now, okay, I I want to talk about the. Now, uh, the,
1: and yes. one more thought there Wardlow as Hobbs' first feud as champion, that I am into.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I'll take those two going at it. Two homegrown stars feuding over the title.
1: Sign yes. me
0: up. Right. The AEW tag titles. We're getting a four-way match for this. And one thing that I despise when it's going into pay-per-views is when there's all of a sudden a fatal four-way or a triple threat or a five-way for a championship match because I feel like you're just getting... It's like, hey, this guy's not on the show. We got to throw him in a match.
1: It's it the gives, throw, yeah. Get, it's, get as many guys a payday as possible. Match. Yes,
0: it gives me huge WrestleMania fifteen vibes because, like, we needed Road Dogg in a European title match or whatever he was in in a, a four way. You know, like we don't need that.
1: No. So
0: uh, I just have to say that because I mean a single or just a basic tag match between any of the teams in this four-way tag match i would have been way more excited for i'll still enjoy well here's the
1: thing too even if you wanted to do a four-way they're running a four-way on rampage on friday that looks like a better match than what the title match is going to be like i'm way more intrigued by the teams in that mix than Mm. the ones that you have here by and large because the thing like Here's part of the problem with this build, too. I think they started towards things that they ultimately couldn't do because the entire genesis, I think, of having the guns be champions and how shitty they were to FTR is to have them Southern boys come back and whip some gun brother ass and take the AEW titles as Mm -hmm. part of your belt collector gimmick right but it's possible that ftr have ultimately decided that they're not coming back to aw and that they're going to go back to wwe when their contracts expire and tony might not have known that three months ago when it felt like that was the direction of the yeah. gun build right um like this has clearly just been designed now with the teams that they've chosen to be a comedy match and maybe with the in-ring limitations let's say of uh the guns that might be the right move uh <laughs> they're clearly you know I don't know I, it, it's a it's a funny choice of babyface teams here I think because everybody loves Orange Cassidy and downhausen but I don't think anybody's pulling for them to win as a team over the acclaimed right like no. that's a very nice design choice as far as not having your actual star faces be overshadowed within the match. I feel like the guns, though, are going to be overshadowed by Double J Lethal, who I know I'm in a huge minority here, Blair, but I actually really get a kick out of I I, I love Jeff Jarrett in this amount of <laughs> footage, you know, like I don't want him to be the top guy on a show, certainly not in 1998 and not in 2023, but Uh, In the tag division as a kind of uh, sideshow character, like a Dan Lambert who can wrestle. I think Mm -hmm. he's great, honestly. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people who are happy probably to see him get to work this show, uh, given the passing of his father in the Mm -hmm. last few weeks here. So, you know, ultimately, if Double J Lethal won the belts here, I would not mind that at all. Is that what's like? I don't know what happens here. It's probable that the guns hang on. But also, I don't know, do we really want to see the Acclaimed and the Guns have another solo, uh, you know, 2v2 match after all we've seen from them of late? I don't know that I do, necessarily.
0: No, I I really could do without it, but I mean, I do want to see more from the Acclaimed because, I mean, like, they had a, a very fun tag run. I don't want to see a feud with them and the Guns right away, but I, I would love to see the belts back on the Acclaimed if somehow they can get that and just yeah, not have I mean- to deal with the Guns.
1: Speaking of reheating people, like the conversation we were just having about Wardlow, the Acclaim definitely cooled off on what they had been. They're obviously not at the height of when they won the titles right now, but they have been reheated in a hurry. Sometimes it just takes like one hot match for people to get excited again. And yeah, I would like them to be champions ultimately here. uh, But is the more fun feud for them to regain the titles With the Guns and Billy still? Or is it against Double J Lethal? Because (laughs) I think the answer is Double J Lethal. And I know that almost everyone listening to this show right now is screaming at their stereo that I'm a complete idiot. But, like... I think it's the move. I would love to see it.
0: It's funny because I think two months ago, everyone would be yelling, but now a lot of people have turned the page on uh, Jared, I think, because I mean, you do see more positive uh, like mentions about him, but I was fully hoping that it was going to be Jared and Satnam Singh as a tag team and just oh, strapped yeah. the gold on them. That's yeah. what I'm here for.
1: <laughs> That's a great idea too. For <laughs> sure. Wow. Yes. And-
0: every time they have a segment and you hear the planet Jared theme from TNA pumping through the speakers, I like they must just have a shit eating grin on their faces in the back. thinking like just how many people are getting worked up about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've really enjoyed this right from the moment he came in. Honestly, I know uh, that it adds an element of the show that people could maybe uh, do without it as they want a more of a, a pure wrestling thing but like man he's entertaining to me and especially Mm -hmm. as someone who like became uh, the fan that i am uh during the attitude era when him and owen were the champions yeah like the fact that i got to go down to the show in seattle back in january and see them wrestle the acclaimed for the tag team titles it was a huge thrill for me to see jeff jarrett in a tag team title match and i think it would be equally a thrill honestly to see him actually hold the gold on a weekly basis for a little bit as a transitional champion
0: now in the next match i wanted to bring up both of these guys in recent weeks have talked about holding gold before 2023 ends and that is the no hold bards match between christian cage and jungle boy and i mean this past week, after Cage mentioned that, I mean, you have a built-in storyline for title right there. And the way they love long-term storytelling, I mean, fully expecting that's how we wrap up the year in Revolution or Winter is Coming.
1: And, and this is kind of my vision, I think, and hopefully Tony's as well for the next little while. Let the TNT title be the division of the big boys. Put <laughs> all your bosses in there. Have these incredible just car crash matches that you know deliver the promise and spectacle of larger than life characters within wrestling. Let the all Atlantic title meanwhile be your your work rate title and your your little guy title because do I want to see Jungle Boy taking on uh powerhouse Hobbs? I mean actually kinda I do at yeah. some point. Further down the line, but like, I'm fine with the idea of it being sort of separate tiers and different mm-hmm. styles being drawn to the d- different titles, I think. And, um, you know, I think that would also give the All-Atlantic title something to to stand for a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it is better defined uh, than it is in my own mind, because like it does often feel like sometimes there are too many belts within AEW you think that, though, and then you hear promos like what Jungle Boy and Christian Cage have been talking about lately, and you're immediately like, oh, yeah, there's that belt that they mm-hmm. could do something with that would be extremely interesting. Um, and ultimately, I think it's easy to maybe overlook this match as far as how long this feud has had to cumulatively go on for with Christian being on the shelf for as long as he was. But it, like if you can try and think back to how you felt when this feud was at its peak right before that injury, this was a match that I was really looking forward to then. And even though it's long overdue, I think can still deliver some fireworks and possibly surprise a lot of people this weekend.
0: Yeah. I mean, jungle boy, he had that cage match with Luchasaurus at uh full gear, which was absolutely incredible. Uh, both guys just put on a hell of a match. So I mean, you know Jungle Boy can rise to the occasion when it comes to a big match. And I feel like this one, I mean, the build to it has been, you know, with the injury, very prolonged. But they've been able to do a lot of great stuff with it. So, I mean, I didn't like, you know, two weeks ago with the overthinking of the the concerto by Jungle Boy leading to the low blow. I thought, I just, I wasn't huge into that. But I mean... I
1: feel it's, that's a big problem within... Pro wrestling, I feel like is sometimes in trying to make your babyface seem like a nice guy, they actually come off as just like stupid and overly, uh, you know, trusting and vulnerable in the yeah. wrong moments, I guess. So, yeah, that wasn't great. But but uh, he, yeah, he's still hot and like there's no better heel in the game really than Christian. I could listen to that guy cut heel promos all day every day and he will just constantly find some rhythm or some line that will kind of catch you off guard and be like my man you know like even when he's the most evil bastard who's ever lived you have to kind of bask in the appreciation of getting to see him do this again because really it's not that long ago that like he was retired just like edge and concussions had done him in and you didn't think he'd ever get to do this thing that he loves so much, and it's beautiful to see, honestly. I feel like when you see guys long enough, they can become just guys again a little yeah. bit. And Edge, I think, certainly suffers from that uh, over in WWE at the moment, too, probably. Um, but yeah, man, what a, it, I, I have to stop and think what a treat it is to get to watch Christian as often as we do, and uh, just how good he is, too, man. And like he, he is that sort of exactly what he was booked at in his prime in wwe i think the sixth man thrown into a six-man title match sort of spot you know Mm -hmm. um but he has that potential to be a pinch-hitting top guy in in a in a moment of need and he always knocks it out of the park i feel like the matches even that he's worked since he's come back have been engaging for the most part too like i I am looking forward to this one and not just thinking that like oh thank god a young guy like like jungle boy is gonna be there to carry it through or whatever
0: the uh the line in his promo about still being in wrestling so he can make money i i thought that was fantastic you know (laughs) i still get a kick out of it
1: yeah yeah and uh you know i i feel I feel robbed on some level that he was not at the dynamite that I got to go to. <laughs> like It's, it's uh it's still a, like a bucket list item. I think if you're a fan of a certain age, if you haven't seen him live to get to see a guy like that live in the flesh,
0: let's talk about the, one of the other multi uh, multi-man matches or multi-woman matches. The, three-way match for the AEW women's championship we got uh, jamie hater defending the championship against saraya and ruby soho and i cannot think of well i mean i've been pumping jamie hater's tires for months now but i cannot think of two more wrestlers who have busted their asses off and like 180 percent changed my opinions on how they were my, my thoughts towards them and wrestling right now because Ruby Soho and Saray have done a great job of getting me invested in their storyline.
1: Yeah, um this is one that I probably don't know as much as I should going into it. I I, I know that uh, Soraya and Tony Storm are doing kind of an outsider's angle where yeah. the homegrowns ain't shit to them and that sort of deal. And I think the storyline implication has been that Ruby is like this questionable tweener as far as where her allegiances lie as someone who came up on the indies, but obviously as a former WWE Mm -hmm. person as well. So that's that is that our storyline here coming in?
0: Pretty yeah. much. You know, you they have your was...
1: homegrown champion defending against uh, the evil outsider and the tweener whose intentions are unknown.
0: Yes, you don't know which way she's going. Tony Khan is making the most of getting the rights to the Rancid song to make sure it gets played every week.
1: <laughs> um,
0: but the 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 wrap up or yeah, I almost...
1: mean that's you don't know where she's going, do you? Destination <laughs> unknown. There you go.
0: The uh <laughs> this past week's Dynamite, I mean, the way they had their, you know, Hader and Soraya going at it, Ruby comes out, Dex Saraya, then her and Hader going at it. I mean, like, Ruby's looked great in this build, and as, like, a top-level contender for that title.
1: And obviously, everything that I just said about Christian is, like, amplified tenfold from Saraya, who really hasn't been back that long. Like, I don't know how many matches she's worked over the last few months, but I feel like we're still obviously in single digits, uh, since her return here. And she still has that kind of excitement of, you know, even if she's playing a heel, I still have an appreciation and kind of gladness for them as a human being to be able to do this stuff again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, yeah, this, I, this <laughs> Jamie hater is one of the most naturally over, wrestlers that we've seen pretty much in the entire arc of AEW, just about yeah. like clearly hangman went on this very long story that got everybody behind him but that was like carefully plotted i feel like jamie hater is probably one of the first people where the audience chose this person and tony had no choice but to ultimately give us what we want right so uh is her reign gonna end this weekend no i definitely don't think mm-hmm. so um, there's not a chance, but this is going to be a good match because like you said, Soraya was a great wrestler before she was on the shelf. She was one of the best that WWE had uh, at the time before uh, the quote unquote revolution in that company. Right. Like uh, and and yeah, Ruby Soho was so underused there the whole the whole time. Which is why it would be the most absurd thing in the world for her to be like on the team WWE in yeah. this feud. Ultimately, because like she should have no allegiances to that company. They did her so dirty every time. Um, but the, yeah, this this is this will be a good work rate match, it, and it is it is refreshing. I think to be able to look at a pay per view card and circle the women's match as maybe the one that will like be the most entertaining from a pure wrestling perspective.
0: Yeah. At the, like a few things with this one, I mean, as soon as Soraya almost turned the corner from being like the, yes, you know, we're going to do great things here and this and that almost like the cheerleader rah-rah thing. And to kind of, you know, like become that heelish character. I mean, that did wonders for, for her coming into AEW And I mean, like, Jamie Hayter, like, it's almost like the fans just saw how much ass she kicked and were like, yep, this is what I want. And just, it propelled her to the next level. I mean, she has all the talent in the world, but getting that support really pushed her up. So...
1: And to build on what you were just saying about Soraya, too, like I'm sure she's in a very similar spot to where Brian Danielson was when he came out of retirement in WWE, right? Because he was greeted as this enormous babyface because that is the natural inclination is to want to cheer for and love the person that they are and everything that they've had to go through personally to get back to where they are as a performer for your enjoyment. But what they ultimately want is to be a character and mm-hmm. not themselves right yeah. like and it's so much easier to do that as a heel to kind of like turn the page on your comeback story and just be a wrestler again yeah. and uh i think that's what she's getting to enjoy right now and uh, it's it's been good
0: the I mean that is definitely one. I mean the next two matches we talk about are the other ones that I'm very hyped up for. The Texas Death Match, John Moxley versus Hangman Adam Page. I mean, I I did not expect this to be the is it the four or the third match in the most recent months. I totally thought we'd only be you know this would be the second one, but I mean these two, the promos, everything they've done to build this match the matches leading up to this i mean you could have these guys feuding for the rest of the year and i would watch and enjoy every single one of them
1: okay good because what i was going to ask is do you feel like it's been too many meetings already because i i can't say i'm fully on board with that take but there is a part of me that does agree with it like yes the promos have been great and i like (laughs) the friction between these two guys it's been compelling But am I really amped up to see them lock horns for a pay per view at the level that I would want to be heading into a show like this? I mean, like we, like I said earlier, MJF and Brian already has my money, so like I'm not, I don't need to be talked into watching this show. I can be pleasantly surprised by the things that I find along the way to getting what I want (laughs) out of that main event, you know. Um, but part, yeah, part of me does feel like this doesn't have the juice that it should. Because we've seen them wrestle as many times as we have lately. Having said that, yeah, the promos have been great. And I'm really curious what the next step is for Hangman, right? Like this is a, a huge marquee feud for him. But you know, we heard that John Moxley was promised time off a while ago that he didn't really get to enjoy as a result of everything that went on after all out last year. And it sort of seems like there's a dark undercurrent to Hangman right now. I like the re-engagement with the dark order. I know a lot of people may might hate the dark order, but like I was just saying with Soraya and with Danielson before her, I think you can probably apply that to the dark order right now too, because they've been that feel good faction ever since Brody Lee tragically passed away. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. You're, every time they show up on screen, a part of you is thinking about Brody, which makes you feel real feelings, which makes you feel some level of affection towards the loss that they've gone through and, and basically what that whole crew could have been with him at the helm that never got to come to fruition. It's very sad, but have we let enough time lapse where this is still a salvageable gimmick as the heel group that it was originally intended to be? Because Evil Uno won a lot of people over with that Moxley match. It was really good. He's great on the mic, but he's best on the mic probably as a heel. And maybe it's time for Hangman to go to the dark side and have a heel faction behind him and let that group maybe, you know, drop some of the more supernatural elements to it that might have been envisioned with Brody at the helm. But you can still have them be. Uh, these kind of annoying, um, just kind of uh, gritty ass kicking heels that are based, they're like a teenage ninja, ninja turtle gang, right? Like, <laughs> you, like, you, if you saw them all walking together, you'd be like, oh yeah, those guys are gonna shake me down for pizza, yeah. and then a giant turtle will come save me just in time, like. But but like that works. There's something cartoonishly villainous about their look that hasn't matched who they've been in terms of presentation since Brody's passing. And I don't know. Do I want to see Hangman Page be healed? Not really, because I still have so much love for that guy. Mm-hmm. But maybe the fact that I don't want it means that it actually is the right time to do it.
0: Yeah, because you mentioned, you know, the Evil Uno match with Moxley, you know, how like that really turned the corner for a lot of fans. And you you could easily push that into, you know, a darker, more meaner Uno, you know, and then with uh, Silver and Reynolds on Dynamite, you know, coming back out to eliminate Claudio and Yuda, you know, like that's something that a lot of faces don't do. I know it's, yeah. it's just to build to the Rampage match, but hey, here's some slight heelish undertones you know like to push them more over so
1: you know and if it's if it's uno and hangman kind of bossing the rest of those guys around and treating them like shit becoming a bully is not the worst long-term storytelling choice for the hangman page story that has been being told going all the way back to 2019 right like it's it's unsavory for what i wish for him and i do feel like he got done dirty a little bit in his top guy push with the rush to put the belt on punk and all that but uh you know i it's it wouldn't be a bad it it makes sense there's a lot of things here that do make sense and especially this blood feud with mox pushing him into a dark place that he can't crawl out of let's put it that way
0: look Evil Hangman is not the worst take that I heard this week, so I mean that that it, it works for me. I, I'm good with that, and I'll tell you the worst one after we're done recording. Just because okay, I, I can't put that out there. But
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you can't. You can't circle and underline which one of mine it's been from the last forty five minutes. <laughs> oh, it
0: hasn't been yours. That's that's for certain. But <laughs> um, wrapping up this card, I mean, the trio's title. This is this is a match designed for me because i love the elite the young bucks and kenny omega i could watch them on an endless loop and you put them against three wrestlers who as singles are were all incredible in different matches you put them as a trio that lore and you know supernatural things aside i am fully into and let's just say i fully expect nothing than a five-star match of the night match between these two teams
1: yeah um and i feel like this is a course correction on some level right Mm -hmm. like i understand the move uh to christen the trios titles by putting them on the biggest trio in the company the evps which you know (laughs) looks like it's like a self booking <laughs> choice, a little bit so it raises some <laughs> eyebrows to begin with, but like I understand from a historical standpoint making the first ever Trios champions the elite. Mm-hmm. Having said that, going into the inaugural tournament to crown the first ever Trios champions, I was absolutely convinced that there was no other choice but House of Black, that it had to be these guys, that they needed more to do on the show. And that they're awesome and would be a great, you know, group to strap the rocket to, basically, with with bi-weekly chaos matches. And I hope that is what we get here. Like, I I think they had to do a lot of rehabbing with these titles uh, coming out of what happened, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that Best of Seven series definitely did the trick. I, you know, it's funny that I feel tired of mocks hangman matches a little bit because I watched a seven match series between (laughs) two uh, teams of three. And I could watch that. uh, I could watch a 15 match series. It was outstanding. Uh, You know, but like, I think they're at a place now where they don't have to like walk on eggshells necessarily the way they might have had two and a half months ago, even. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that is the case where you can start booking the division normally how you would have if none of this stuff ever happened. I do think House of Black has to like, if not here, then maybe in a rematch down the line, but I think maybe the time is is right also to do it here.
0: Yeah, I mean, because sure, there are tons of trios that trios matchups you could do with the elite, but I, I do feel the titles are better served on the House of Black right now. You know, you can have and you, you get to put Kenny back into a main event title picture
1: exactly so exactly the one thing that we haven't seen Kenny Omega really get over the course of his AEW run is a solo babyface push Mm -hmm. which is crazy when seemingly he should have been the ace of this company all along right like uh, a lot of people took turns being that top guy Jericho and Cody among them when really like sorry, but Kenny's way better than both of you boys. Like, come mm-hmm. on, let's go at some point. And the, yes, he got that year long heel run and it was glorious. oh loved part it. of being a heel champion is that you never get to win convincingly, which means you never really get to be as cool as you should be, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you are the top work rate guy in the company, probably on some level uh, of a certain style. Uh, I certainly love Brian Danielson quite a lot as well. Um so, yeah, I I think I'm ready for that on some level. I think the crowd is probably ready for that as well. And and he needs something enticing, I think, to convince him that his future is in AEW, right? Like, I, I'm not really one who's put much stock into the idea that he's uh, keen to jump ship and go to WWE. I think there's a lot of interest in WWE in luring him away yep. and sending another shockwave through the industry exactly like what happened when they got Cody. But... I think the better fit for him is, is in AEW. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, (laughs) I, I, I want to see that. Like, uh, give me, give me Kenny versus MJF. Like, this is the, the, the thing that works. If you keep Max as the champion after this weekend, he gets to gloat about being the best wrestler in the world because he beat the best wrestler in the world in the most demanding match type there is. Yeah like that becomes the perfect hook for him to now start taking regular challenges from the other dudes who are, you know, your number one aces from a work rate perspective in the company. So yeah.
0: After if MJF beats the best wrestler in the world, then, you know, he's got to beat, you know, seven star Kenny Omega. So he can say (laughs) that he beat a seven star wrestler. So I mean, rights writes itself.
1: After he beats the best wrestler in the world, he has to turn around and go beat the other best wrestler in the world.
0: <laughs> and uh, I, I, I should mention uh, that the uh, the Observer Awards came out, and I love the fact that the winner of the Brian Danielson Award is Brian Danielson.
1: So. Oh, of course, of course. But here's the other thing: why I feel like the House of Black is going to win this match, Blair. Is that like if you look over this card, how many titles have we really predicted to flip over the course of the night? I think MJF is going to hang on to his title, yeah. I think Amy Hayter's hanging on to her title. Samoa Joe versus Wardlow could go either way, but I think we both leaned to Samoa Joe retaining so that he can be beaten by Hobbs on Wednesday. Like, that's not a lot of title changes there, uh, other than me thinking that. <laughs> double j lethal will take the belts <laughs> off the guns right like we don't have a ton uh, of title activity and when you have as many belts as this company does you probably should have at least one change per show and it feels like the trios is the the safest bet where it's going to happen
0: i might have to put a few dollars down on house of black to win and uh hell yeah, you know, hell yeah. so on a scale of uh, one to ten After running down this card, where are you at? at One being, you know, not excited and 10 being amped up. Let's do this.
1: Uh, I'm going to say seven and a half, I think. Yeah. Because I could be higher. I feel like there could, this undercard could be more enticing to me a little bit, but also having talked about it, I think there's a lot more meat on this bone than maybe the build has led people to believe. And the thing with AEW is that you always know the pay-per-views are going to deliver, so, like, why would we be like, mm, I don't know about this weekend. Oh, the build yeah. wasn't that good. Because you know,
0: like, all of a sudden it's just going to be the shittiest pay-per-view. You yeah, know? we're
1: getting a Texas death match between John Moxley and Hangman Page. And part of me is like, eh, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's
0: fucking Just crazy. spoiled. Just spoiled. <laughs> I'm going to go with an eight because we after running down this card, you look at the matchups that we have some of these fantastic matches and almost all of them. I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, that's going to be a really good match. So uh, I I think an eight and we'll see what rampage brings us with the pre-show. I'm sure there'll be a TBS title match and probably a, another tag match or something,
1: but you it, know I- what? though? No. I'm going to bump mine up to eight as well. Not because of anything to do with the matches on the card or how more, much more excited I am now that we've talked about all of them simply for the fact that this is a Sunday pay-per-view and we do not get enough of those anymore. (laughs) I am not okay with these Saturday night shows Saturday is for other things okay I, I got a lot going on <laughs> I want my wrestling pay-per-views to be on Sunday that's how it's always been and that is what I wish we would see more of the rumble being on Saturday this year was fucked to me like that was really weird uh and I feel like AW runs Saturdays all the time too so maybe nice, nice to have a Sunday night pay-per-view finally for once
0: maybe they can just run them on the Sundays of a long weekend and then I'm okay with it
1: Okay, okay fair enough yeah i am on the west coast that might color my opinion just a little <laughs> in that regard
0: for those listening uh if they're not already finding you or following you where can they find you on social media and where can they find you uh for everything you're doing nowadays
1: uh well uh you can find me on twitter at justin morris that's m-o-r-i-s-1-r-1-s- Uh, Not that I really love to be on Twitter that much (laughs) these days, but you can find me there. I guess I'm on Instagram at the same handle as well. Uh, But uh, you can hear me Monday to Friday on City News Radio in at least Vancouver and Calgary, sometimes Vancouver, Calgary and Toronto, uh, five days a week doing sports updates in the mornings for those radio stations. You can also... Uh, hear me as the play-by-play voice of Nation Extreme Wrestling in Vancouver. We got a big beauty of a show coming up next month, March 24th at the Commodore Ballroom. Minoru Suzuki versus Judas Icarus. Blair, bud, I get to call a Murder Grandpa match next month. Uh, this month, even. It's three weeks away, basically. I'm <laughs> on moon about that. Uh, so excited for that one. Um, and yeah, you can find those matches uh, streaming on Telus on demand. If you do a search, I think for N E W or just wrestling will probably pop up. I'm not sure how many episodes uh, of the show are up there, but uh, some good quality matches definitely there. And you can find them uh, for the most part on YouTube as well. Just search for nation extreme wrestling on Twitter and YouTube. And I'm sure you'll, you'll see those the matches in fact, from the show that we just had this past Saturday at Granville Island, which uh, other than the fact that it snowed very heavily outside went great as well. So, Things are super fun with NEW. And um, I also have a movie podcast coming out real soon called ADHD DVD with my friend Haley from Regina. And we are watching all of the DVDs that collectively we both own but have never actually bothered to watch. Um, in much the same way that people have books that they just own and have never read. Uh, movie people apparently have that too, and we're gonna tackle that issue on the show, <laughs> which should launch. In like the next week and a half here so i'm looking forward to that too
0: that is a great idea because i know that i have movies still wrapped in the plastic
1: exactly so
0: that's good i like that yeah, you, you know
1: you go digging through the walmart five dollar bin you're gonna bring something home and then just completely forget that you ever bought it so
0: <laughs> that reminds me i need to go to walmart and get like the naked gun three pack because i've been meaning to re-watch them and I didn't want to pay for them on Apple TV, so
1: hell yeah, there you go, there you go. I recently picked up the Beverly Hills three pack specifically so that we could watch it uh, over the course of a month. Uh, at some point on the show, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, watching the movies we bought and forgot ADHD DVD with uh, Justin Morissette and Haley Lear, and it's been a ton of fun to record so far.
0: Justin, thank you so much for joining me. This was a blast. It's always great when you when you're on, so I appreciate you doing it again.
1: Oh, my pleasure, man. You make it so easy. You're a a wonderful host, and I will happily come back and do this anytime.